Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. This awesome, you guys. This is amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hey, I just want to list off just a few of those places real quickly again. We continue our work in the Ukraine and in Poland and Moldova. We continue our work in Turkey. We're sending teams to Uganda, Dominican Republic, Camp Nikos in Austin. We have a Waco Day Camp for our neighborhood and for our city. Miami, South Korea, Colombia, the Amazon Basin, Ecuador, Oaxaca, Scotland. We are touching the nations of the earth out of here. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Lord. Uh, Carl, you want your phone back? All right, fair enough. I was going to enjoy your text as we, as we went on. Hey, you know, one of the beautiful things about this is literally we are just fulfilling the book of Acts, what God said. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We just said we're doing camps in Waco, we're doing Miami, we're doing the region in, in South America, Central and South America, and we're doing the world, Turkey and the Ukraine. So it is literally happening in our midst. And if you guys have been journeying with us in our series, Union, Communion, and Partnership, I hope you just saw that right there. In people's union with God, they feel that God has spoken to them to then partner with one another and go out in teams to then partner with the mission of Jesus for the gospel to be preached, churches to be planted, and the kingdom of God to be expanded for his glory. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, last week we started Acts 2. We're going to be going through that through the month of May. And as a part of that, our desire is that you not just get excited about what everybody else is doing, but that during this month of May, you will feel equipped and ready to be a witness yourself. You see, so many times we, get, we, we live our lives vicariously through other people's obedience, and either we feel insecure about our own walk with God, I could never do that, or we feel a little bit of an attitude, well, yeah, they do that, but you're not living like my, I'm living a real life. You know, we either have a, a little arrogant attitude or an insecure attitude, but let's just blow both of those away today. No need for either one of those. And what if we just said, hey, how and what would it look like for me to be a witness? So what I want to do is I want to unpack that this morning, and I want to start with what I call the two-minute testimony. Sometimes it goes three minutes, mine especially, but the two- to three-minute testimony, and that is this. If you know Jesus, you have a story. Every person that knows Jesus has a story of how you came to know Jesus, how that was meaningful to you, what your need was at that time, how that happened. Um, that could have happened in a church service. Someone shared about Jesus. I felt like I need Jesus. You prayed with somebody and received Christ. Could have happened in a Sunday school, in a church environment. It could have happened in the workplace. Somebody, a friend, I saw something different in them. Could have happened just literally on the street. I was strung out and in a bad place in my life and somebody walked up to me and boldly shared the gospel. I don't know the multitude of ways that it happened uh, for you, but I do know that your story can never be taken from you. So whenever we wonder, do, what, how do I share? What do I share when it comes to being a witness for Jesus? Share what God's done in you. And it's not only enough, it is the power of God. 
So let me give you an example, and I've done this many times, but I want to do it in this context of the, the two to three minute testimony. So if I talk to somebody and I'll say, hey, has anyone ever told you about Jesus? Let's just say that I meet somebody in the park and they say, well, no, or, or are you familiar with how to know Jesus? Well, I know a little bit about Jesus. Then I'll say, hey, do you mind if I share my story with you? And now here we go. Before I, before I was 17 years old, I didn't know about Jesus. I knew a little bit about the things of God, but I wasn't familiar with what it meant to know Jesus. So something in my heart wanted to know Jesus. And so I went and sat in the back of churches. I'd be hung over on Saturday night and I'd go slip in the back of churches hoping to find Jesus. Well, I'm not blaming the church, but somewhere it didn't connect to me and I kind of gave up. But somebody, uh, but I, that somebody being God himself, somehow saw my heart and he tapped a friend on the shoulder and a friend invited me to his house to come to listen to a story on a cassette tape. You remember cassette tapes. Uh, on this cassette tape of a story of how he had been addicted and broken and he had found God. And somehow it all made sense to me that I needed God and there was a way to know God through Jesus. Well, I go home that evening and my brother was home and he was the only person in our family that I knew at least had had a religious experience. And I asked him about this conversation that I had just had with my buddy and this, this story I just heard. And he said, what do you, what, what do you think about it? And I said, well, I actually believe it. He said, so you believe that Jesus died for you? You believe that he uh, is, has forgiveness for sins for you and that God has a plan for your life? And I said, well, yeah, I do. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? Great question. I said, well, I got a lot of stuff to clean up. I still like to party and do a lot of stuff. I, I don't think I'm good enough yet to come to God. And he said, oh, you missed the whole point. You'll never be good enough. Actually, God, the reason God came is because you're not good enough. <laughs> and Jesus has come to you, and when you call on his name, he can change you. But until you call on his name, you can't be changed. And he said, so what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I, I don't know. What do I do? And he said, well, why don't we pray together? So we go back into my room. I still remember sitting on that bottom bunk and um, him sitting across from me and him simply explaining it this way. Man and you, Jimmy, are a sinner. You are apart from God. God is holy and he is perfect. And there's a gap between you and God. But the whole reason that Jesus came was to bridge that gap between you and God because you couldn't get rid of your sin and you couldn't get to God until you get rid of your sin. And while you were still sinning, Jesus died for you. He explained a little bit more. And then at the end of that explanation, I was ready. And I prayed this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and make me new. I give my life to you. And when I opened my eyes from that prayer for the first time in my life, I wasn't alone. I don't know how to explain it. It's supernatural. For the first time in my life, I was no longer alone. I had friends, I had family, I had parties, I had different things to go to, but it wasn't enough. I would wake up alone day after day, and for the first time in my life, I was never not alone again. And since that time, Jesus has been with me forever because he calls himself Emmanuel, God with us. Woo, there it is. That's my three-minute story. So in a moment, I am able to share who God is, what he's done for me, and what, it, what has changed in my life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to turn to somebody else. 
That's right. We're going to work today at church. We're going to work a little bit. I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody else, and here's all I'm asking for today. All I'm asking you to do is just tell the other person when you came to Jesus. It literally, I was in a church service, or I was my mom, or I was in the car, or I was on the street, or whatever it was. When did you come to know Jesus? And tell us when you prayed the prayer to call on the name of Jesus to be saved. So just, and, and listen, if you don't have a story, not, that's not only okay, man, listen to someone else's story. The reason you're here is there's something in your heart that drew you here today. And this is an open space to learn, to grow, and to figure out, okay, what does this story mean? But so many times hearing someone else's story is enough. And by the end of the day, hopefully you can have your own story. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody else. Tell, I mean, you're literally for three minutes here. Basically, you get a minute and a half apiece. You didn't get the three-minute story. But I want you to explain, when did you come to Jesus? What happened? And when did you pray that simple prayer to call on him for salvation? Ready? Go. Also, husband and wives, retell the story. It's all right. Hey, for those watching at home, do the same exercise. Just engage with the people on the couch or in your living room or in your car right now. Got about one more minute. If you finished early, pray for one another. Pray for somebody that needs to know that story. As you're wrapping up, I want to pray. Lord, I thank you for these stories of salvation. We're just so grateful, Lord, that you looked down from heaven, you saw us, and you 
set up that moment in time when we could call on your name, and we are thankful for the power of the gospel to change the heart for the now and for eternity. And I pray, Lord, even by the confession of our mouths, the recounting of your great deeds, O Lord, I pray that the love of God and the power of God would touch every heart again today with the joy of our salvation. We pray, and everybody said... Amen. I love that. All right. So we have our little two, three-minute testimony. I encourage you to go to Life Group this week. We're going to be uh, working that out and learning how to do that in community. So if you have that one tool, my own story, to share, maybe I want to show you one other little tool that you can do anywhere, anytime on a napkin, a simple way to be a witness with clarity and simplicity and also with confidence. And I want to, do, want to just tell you a little story for context. Uh, Laura and I were in Miami doing an outreach with the team about 18 months ago. And um, we went to this particular restaurant one afternoon for lunch. And um, this delightful young lady walked up, and she was our waitress. She was 21 years old. She was from Argentina. And we asked her a little about her story. And she uh, had left Argentina about a year ago. She was excited about going into the fashion industry. Of course, she said, my parents didn't want me to leave, but I needed to go live my dream. And she was going through Miami to get a little, to work a little bit in order to get to New York. That was her final destination, a dream in her heart. Well, she got to Miami. She's been there obviously a little longer than she planned. And she began to tell her story. You know, we'd been around a little bit. We looked over at the guy who runs the restaurant, and it just seemed like there was a bit at the very least control, if not maybe something darker going on. And he's glancing over her while he's taking extra time with us. So now we're engaging, and we, we just began to engage her heart a little bit. And um, we talked to her about Jesus, and, you know, she had to go and wait on somebody else. But we just tell a little bit of our own story, just like we talked about. Laura shared her story about, hey, I lived in fear, and I, I lived in brokenness, and Jesus came, and he rescued me. And, and wherever you are today, I just want you to know, sweet girl, that, that God is present. Well, she comes back around. And we took another moment after sharing a little bit of our own story to say, hey, could we just pray right now that Jesus would come and meet you in your need? And she said, well, okay. And so we pray and we just say, God, would you come and show her how real you are? And as we prayed, we all sensed God's nearness. And we said, what happened? What, what's going on with you? And little tears down her eyes. And she said, I feel like God's here. Or something's here. Someone has their hand over my heart. And I think it's going to be okay. And we said, well, that someone is Jesus. And he's here for you. About that time, that guy gives her the glance. She's back in the kitchen. And so we realized, okay, we only got a few, probably a few more minutes with her. We need to do something. And so what I did is what I'm about to show you. I, I wrote down what we call the bridge diagram on a napkin. And I wrote down the bridge diagram, and I put little scriptures in there. And, and I, I told her how to get to a Bible app. And, and Laura gave her email to her. You know, if you are unsafe or you are concerned about anything, email us. Here's 
a simple way for you to find Jesus, that one that just touched your heart, you can know him forever. And so we put it all out on a napkin, and, um, and then we were gone. Now, I could share with you some very powerful stories where in a moment I saw somebody come to Christ. But so many times we don't share our story or share a little diagram that I'm going to show you because uh, we're, we, we don't think that it matters. We don't think that it bears fruit. Well, at the very least, that girl felt loved and cared for. At the very most, because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, the word of God activated the opportunity for God to highlight the scriptures for God to move in her life. I believe we'll see her in eternity. And who knows what's going on since that time that we met. But we, as the people of God, are the witness of Jesus wherever we go. Obviously, in the lifestyles that we lead, but also with the proclamation of our faith. Because the Word of God is active. It does not return void when it is sent out. And so the biggest lie of the enemy is what you do doesn't matter. If I pray for somebody, oh, they didn't respond, so it didn't matter. If I share the gospel, literally lay it out, it didn't really matter because I didn't see a story like so-and-so. I'm telling you the seeds are, uh, and the power is in the word of God. You can be as monotone or as creative as you want. When the gospel is, is spoken, there is power on it because it's based on God's word, not yours. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to help everybody. Now, I, well, you got a card when you came in. Everybody pick up that card, and we have pens in every seat pocket. We have pens at the end of the rows if you need it. I told you, church is going to, you're going to use your muscles today. Come on, everybody. You can do this. You can do this. This is all right. So we got a little card, and we're going to do this card together. I'm going to show you, let's pretend this is a napkin or a piece of paper at work or, or uh, at a restaurant or somewhere else. I'm going to show you a simple way to take one scripture and to confidently share the gospel and to give a person an opportunity to respond. Okay, we ready? All right, let's bring it up uh, on the iPad. There's a scripture I need you to write at the top of your paper right now. For the wages of sin is death. I cheated a little bit. I had a prescripted one here. That's just so you can read it. If I wrote it, I'm not sure you could. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just write that at the top of your card. Some of you guys have beautiful handwriting. Some of you do not. You will not be impressed with mine. So wherever it lands, just write it out. Just take a moment to do that. So I, if I was had an opportunity, I would just say, hey, I just want to write down this one Bible verse and then just show you a moment what that means. And I would draw something like this and something like this. And I would say, you know, men and women are made in the image of God. And God is holy. So what the breakdown is, is that we're over here and it's like there's this huge chasm between us and God, and we can't see him, we can't feel him, we can't know him, but we're made for him. And then I start my little Bible verse journey down here, and I leave it for them so that when I'm gone, they can look it up. So I said, Isaiah 59, 2 says this, our sins have separated us from God. This chasm between us and God is because 
of our sins. And the Bible also says, one add a little verse down here, Romans 3.23, but all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all that means is you're not only a sinner, but I'm a sinner, and we've fallen short of God's design for our life. God has a beautiful plan for every person he's created by his glory, and we have missed it because of our sin. So, hey, let me just take a minute and explain sin. <laughs> have you ever lied? Uh, have you ever been jealous of somebody else's stuff? Have you ever lusted for somebody that's not your spouse? Have you ever been angry at anybody? Thank you for that hell, that amen. Have you ever been unforgiving, right? Have you ever made an idol out of something other than God, a house, a car, a career? Have you ever put something before the God who created you? And I said, that's called sin. Sin is missing the mark of God's design. It's when we go our way instead of God's way, and it's displeasing to God, and it's actually rebellion to God, and therefore it blocks us from God, <laughs> And then I'll say, I don't know about you, but some of those things on that list I did yesterday. <laughs> I had jealousy, I had anger. I had to ask God for forgiveness to wash me and cleanse me. But what happens is when we have that sin in our lives, here's what this little scripture that I put at the top says this. It says, the wages of sin is death. Now, let me say it this way. Everybody knows what a wage is, right? So if, if you're working at Chick-fil-A, at least it says on the billboard, you can make at least 12 bucks an hour and 14 if you're willing to go full-time. And I think it's 17, I, our friends at Chick-fil-A have to tell me for uh, uh, if you're gonna be a manager, but it looks pretty good back uh, uh, what they're uh, offering. So you get paid that if you work those hours and serve somebody else. So it's a free exchange. I said, in the negative sense, my sins, my jealousy, my lust, my anger, my unforgiveness, the wages of that, it says, the wages of my sin is death. And it's not just physical death, though some of those activities taken to extreme can cause physical death, but it means spiritual death for eternity. And God doesn't want me to die for eternity. He wants me to live for eternity. I said, have you ever lost a loved one? You know, the saddest thing about losing a loved one, it's permanent. When they are gone, they are gone. But the great thing about God is that he offers us not, not just this life, but he offers us the next life. So the wages of our sin creates death. And here's one other scripture just to be clear. The Bible says this in Hebrews 9 27, and I'd put that down here. It says this, it is pointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. So that's heavy, isn't it? I mean, if we can't get rid of our sin, then we are judged for every sin. And the Bible literally says we will either end up in hell or we will end up in heaven. Now, let me just pause for a minute. For some of you guys, that is way too heavy. But can I just say, God has put eternity in our hearts. People understand that there is a consequence for sin. You might as well state the obvious. <laughs> and because you care for them, you're actually helping them. So we clarify. Here we go. 
the wages of sin is death. But I said, but good news. About the time they're really bummed about some of those thoughts, like, whoa, this is really heavy. I said, but good news. I mean, I, sometimes I actually really get excited with them. You know, you can just be yourself with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. If you're excited about Jesus, be excited about Jesus. I said, but there's good news. Look at me. Look at me. There's good news. Here it is. There is a free gift of God and it's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, there is a free gift. So there's a free gift coming your way. So um, a few months ago, Laura and I were at a hotel and I had brought my golf clubs. Just so you know, guys, by permission, Laura allowed me to play golf while we were out on a time away. So I had these golf clubs in the back seat of this rental car and we had left the rental car unlocked. Well, someone decided that, the, that it was because the rental car was unlocked, it was a great opportunity for them. And the next morning, the golf clubs are gone. Well, a group of friends uh, heard about this sad thing in our lives and rallied together and they gave money for me to get new golf clubs. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, praise God. So I now have those golf clubs and I think I'm playing a little better, you know, because it's always the clubs, not the player. So uh, at least for a moment, at least in my mind, how about that? Okay, so, um, so I get these new golf clubs. Now, what if the group that had rallied together to buy those new golf clubs, if I would have said, all right, now, thank you. Now I have the list of the people that donate and let me start paying you back every, uh, can I get low interest loan on that? Uh, how are we gonna work that? They would be offended because they saw my need and wanted to give me a gift. They were not expecting me then to try to earn my way back or to pay them back because it was a gift. And so as I'm talking to somebody about this free gift, I said, God has given us the free gift of eternal life and you can't pay him back. And you didn't pay for it. It is literally free because it is of God. And for me, I may just get happy there a moment. I said, God is so good, it's amazing. He sees me in my sin. He sees me in my joy. He loves me. He pursues me and he gives me the free gift of what? Of eternal life. I don't have to fear death anymore because God has given me a free gift of eternal life. And then I may share this scripture, John 5, 24. Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Remember, we just talked about judgment. I mean, heaven and hell and all this heavy stuff and the consequences of our sins. Woo! Good news. Jesus just said, I'm not going to come into judgment because he has come to give me eternal life. Wow. All right. So I'm excited as I'm talking to my friend. I don't know if you are. Now the question is, if this is the reality of our lives, how do I get there? I gave you a few clues already, but I want to draw this into my diagram. And that is this, the cross. Need to make sure that connects. All right. <laughs> Jesus has become the bridge. See, I am so sloppy in this writing. I am so low barred. This ought to give you encouragement. You can do this, right? And the more I look at it, it's like, wow, that is a bit of a mess. But we're getting to the point here. 
And that is it, that Jesus then becomes the bridge from, life, from my death to life now and for eternity. I love this passage, 1 Peter 3.18. I'll put it, always put it in, down in here. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. How do I get to God? Christ died on the cross for your sin and my sin so that he might bring us to God. You can't get there on your own. That's why Jesus came. And I often say here, Christianity is the only religion in the world where God came for us versus demanding that we reach for God. Wow, isn't that beautiful? John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is bringing us to God through his own sacrifice on the cross that I might become the righteousness of God, that I may be right with God, not based on my own works, lest any man should boast, but based on Jesus' work alone. Wow. So obviously, I'm excited about this, but I often will pause here and then ask them, okay, well, where are you? Are you over here? Are you over there? Are you still in your sin? Are you in Christ? Have you come and trusted in Jesus to cover you from your sin so that you can be with God now and forever more? And then I pause. Uncomfortably so. <laughs> I would ask you that today. Are you in your sin? Are you in Christ? For salvation... Obviously, we have a, this is not a message on sanctification, but I would say, have you come to Jesus alone as the sin bearer for your sin so that you might know God? And it's okay for that uncomfortable pause because it allows the Word of God, it allows the Spirit of God to begin to help them process, okay, what is my decision? Where, where am I going with this? And then what I'll say is, okay, so let's say they say, well, I'm over here, or I'm trying to get here, or I'm not sure, okay? So I'll say, hey, there's two things that happen, need to happen. You need to believe, and you need to receive. You need to believe and receive. And I'll give them a couple scriptures here, Romans 10, 9. In John 1, 12. So what I will often say is, hey, I was a little familiar with the story of Jesus when I first came, when I first heard that story of the man that had really come to Jesus. I was a little familiar with the basics. I had been to church a few times. I knew that this guy Jesus had come and he did a lot of good stuff and he had died on a cross. But I didn't know how to know him. Many of us uh, are familiar with the things of God, but we don't know how to know him. 
And so when my brother explained to me, I needed to come myself and I needed to receive him, then it began to become clear. I believed that this story was true. Now I needed to receive the story myself. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, he gave the right, wow, to become children of God. Amen. That is stunning, right? I believe in Jesus and who he says he is. And now I receive him. I humble myself and say, God, I don't only believe your message, but I need your message. And I invite your message into my heart. And I give you my life for your life. And I receive you as Lord and Savior. So you not just believe, but you receive. And as I'm in this dialogue with people, some people say, here's kind of some classic um, things that they might say. Uh, one might be, well, let me think about it. And I'll say, hey, I totally understand, but do you believe it? And they say, well, yes. Well, if you believe it, then why don't you do something about it? Well, I'm going to try to get it together, <laughs> right? Things that I said. Now, if I sense their kind of rebellion, arrogant type, I'll say, hey, I dare you to get on your knees and pray a prayer to cry out to God for salvation right now. Now, not all y'all may not be of that mode. I'm not telling everybody to do that. I'm just saying <laughs> at certain times, <laughs> I've done that. And, and some people have taken me up on it. And when they get off of their knees saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you. I believe who you are. Would you come by your spirit and would you change me and transform me? If they are willing to go there and humble themselves, and actually I say, you got to get on your knees if you're serious. You can't, I, God. At the very least, the Spirit of God softens them. But at the very most, they experience the power of God. Because remember, the power is in the confession of the mouth and the believing of the heart and the powers in the gospel. The power is not in man. The power is in God. That's why I would actually push a little bit to say, if I can just get you to before God, then who knows what God might do. But if you're going to rely on yourself and you walk away, there is no guarantee that you will ultimately find God. So I, I want to think about it. And then maybe another one is, yeah, you know, I just got some things to sort out first because I don't think I'm good enough. And I'm like, all right, man. So when are you going to be good enough? Tell me, listen, remember that list of sins we mentioned? I mean, about the time you, you, you had a good day and you thought, man, I didn't even sin today. Uh, somebody cut in front of you in the morning on the way to work. You cussed them. I heard that. You did it. Therefore, you're back at it. You're back in the cycle. Because we are consistently vulnerable to our flesh, we're consistently vulnerable to sin, we need Jesus. You're never going to be good enough. So how do we get there? Maybe it's very more personal. I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Now, those people I'm really nice to, by the way. Then I just really back off. And I said, man, you are so loved. I am so sorry for the pain in your life. And sometimes I'll definitely ask the Lord, God, is there some insight into their heart? And that's like we did with this young lady, this 21-year-old girl from Argentina. We just said, Jesus, would you just come? Could I just pray a minute? And sometimes, just to be quite honest, I don't even wait for them to say yes. I just say, can I just pray a minute? Lord Jesus, would you just come? <laughs> and with your gentle grace, would you be tender with them? Would you love them? Would you care for them? 
Would you minister to them right now? Thank you for your love. And I engage it in my own heart with the Lord, and I give God an opportunity to touch him with his softness in his care. So by the end of our time together, they've got a little something to walk away with. They have a simple plan. I hope you were writing that down. Hey, look at this up there. There you go. If you didn't, just go back onto your card. If you got a little lost in my stories, draw, draw the cross. And actually, Laura had a, a, a great idea. She said, first of all, after the first service, she said, my picture's way better than yours. I said, that was not a question. A beautiful picture. But what she did is she took a picture of her drawing. And now she has it on her phone. So anytime, if you can't remember, because probably the piece of paper is going to get lost somewhere, but if you'll just take a picture of your paper, or you can take a picture of my paper, then you have it on your phone. Another thing that we're going to help you with is as you leave today, we've got this little pamphlet, which would be the expanded version of the bridge diagram called Steps to Peace with God. All those scriptures in there, more in-depth thought, those are available at the um, information booth as you leave. But let me give a couple of wrap-up thoughts here that hopefully will motivate you all the more this month to share the gospel with somebody in such a way that they can respond. First of all, you're made for this. If you were born again, the Spirit of God came to seal you for the day of redemption. You will not be snatched out of his hand. He says that he would get, put power on your life to be a witness uh, for his glory. And again, now you've been given a tool. Share your own story. You've been given a simple tool, a little bridge diagram with one Bible verse and some other supports and encouragements. You now have what you need to be able to be a witness. Maybe the second thing that I would want you to know is that your witness matters. Jesus created you for his glory. And you are the most precious thing to him in the world. Every person in this room, wherever you are, if you're watching online, you're the most precious thing to Jesus in the world. That would include your failures, your brokenness, your past, your deficiencies. No matter what the world's told you, you are still the most precious thing in the world to someone, and his name is Jesus. God himself loves you and pursues you and cares for you. And the scripture says that we all have gifts. We're all a witness, and all of us are needed. Another way they said this in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for his glory. And every cup of cold water we give and every time we smile and every time we pray and every we care for somebody else and every time we share the gospel, what is needed in our sphere, our cubicle world of business or our neighborhood or our soccer field, that gospel is released through his intended vessels, which are you and me. So let me share one last story some of you are familiar with that maybe would put a little context on the present where we are today. Um, back in 1977, there was a guy named Jim Martin who was a senior in high school, and he went to a Baptist camp with a friend, and he had, uh, did not know the Lord, and at this camp, he came to know Jesus. 
and it was powerful. And the wisdom of these camp counselors was really great. They said, look, now that you know Jesus, there's got to be somebody else that God's going to now use you to share Jesus. And they helped them to, to know how to share Jesus. And so Jim Martin came to Baylor with this conviction that not only had he been saved, but he was going to share the gospel with somebody else. Well, it was summer school, and he lived next door to a Baylor football player named David Seibert, my brother, by the way. And David did not know Jesus, and he needed to know Jesus, from my perspective and several others. And um, so Jim uh, got up the guts one day to knock on David's dorm door and engage him in a conversation and begin to share with him about Jesus. As my brother puts it, he duly told the guy, get out of his face. And he said, I'll throw you out if you don't get out. And so Jim dutifully left. So somewhere, (laughs) Jim got enough guts, and I'm sure he had people praying for him, to go back again uh, and knocked on my brother's door again. But what Jim didn't know between that first time and that second time, that God had taken Jim's simple witness and started working on my brother. And in the middle of that gap in between, when Jim came back, David was softer. Jim shared clearly how David could know Jesus and left him with that opportunity. As Jim left, somewhere in that process, David got on his knees. He called on the name of Jesus, and he was saved. Well, the friends that he was around told him the same thing. Now, David, you need to share the gospel boldly with those around you. You need to pray for your family. And so nobody else in our family was saved. There's four siblings, mom and dad. And um, as I've said before, David would come home at Christmas, probably not knowing exactly what to do. And I remember at Christmas or Thanksgiving, we'd always have these big dinners and he would say, could I pray for our meal? And first of all, everybody's like, what? <laughs> he said, could I pray for the meal? And, and uh, dad would, or mom would say, he's gotten religious since he went to Baylor. He said, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll let him pray. So he would pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I thank you that all of us are sinners and we are far from God, but you are the way. And while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we call on your name, we shall be saved. For everyone who calls on the name, that was his prayer for the Thanksgiving meal. And we would just, it would just be awkward. We, we just were like, what in the world is he doing? What's he saying? Well, that awkwardness and probably his prayers behind the scenes would eventually lead to my own hunger and someone would tap me on the shoulder and he just happened, just happened to be home that particular weekend that he had the privilege of leading me to Christ as well. Well, eventually our brother, our older brother would say, hey, I don't understand all this. And we began to challenge him and said, hey, why don't you read the Bible yourself? And he would come to the Lord. And then my sister would come to Baylor and she would come to the Lord. And then they would marry believing spouses. And then eventually my dad came to the Lord. And right before my mom died, she came to the Lord. And that little beginnings of a freshman at Baylor that had enough guts to share the gospel has caused a chain reaction (laughs) here, there, and all over the world, and I'm literally preaching the gospel today because Jim Martin, a simple guy from some little town, went to a Baptist camp and said, I'm a witness for Jesus, and I'm willing to be a witness for Jesus because who knows what God might do. So here we are, my friends. In June, we are, in this May, excuse me, we are witnesses for Jesus, and who knows what God might do, but it's going to be good. And it's probably going to be great. Let's stand together. 
we can get uh, our prayer teams to come front quickly to the front. Now, let me say this about the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And it says in Mark, they went out and preached the gospel everywhere with signs following. The power of God accompanies the preaching of the word of God. So we have just shared the word of God. If you don't have a story this morning, you can turn to that friend and say, I'm ready to pray to give my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to come to him. We're here to pray for you. We want to pray for you and to pray with you. But I am asking you as well, if you feel sick in your mind, sick in your body, if you feel weighed down by fear and anxiety beyond anything you've experienced before, we want to pray for you. So here we go. I dare you to come down here and get prayer. (laughs) Don't allow anyone or anybody to keep you from getting the help that God has for you. And the beautiful thing about this community, we are here to help you and pray for you. We have people up on the decks. We have people down here. So the guys are gonna lead us in worship. And we always say this seals the work of God in our hearts. So either you're going vertical, you're praying to God, God, what does my obedience look like? What are you speaking to me? How do I work that in my life? Maybe who are the people in my life that I could reach out to and share a story with? Maybe you need to pray with a friend right next to you, or maybe you need to see to make your way to the front. But I encourage you, as we often say, don't walk out of here with what you walked in with. If you have a burden, if you have a sickness, if you have a place of need, especially if you don't know Jesus here or online, I wanna pray right now and I wanna take you to Jesus. If you need him, you're either coming, you're praying, or you're praying with me right now. If you need Jesus, just say this with me, Lord Jesus, I need you. Just pray it with me, especially those who are online right now. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Just pray it. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you made the way to the Father just for me. I give my life to you. Right now, I believe and I give my heart and I give my life to you and I receive your message, your free gift today. And I thank you for this gift of grace. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Anybody who just prayed that prayer, just grab a friend maybe and come on down. We want to know that you prayed that prayer. For the rest of us, let's seal the work with the worship of God as we worship together.